What is up, people? You are listening into New Generation Hero Talk. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We have a great show lined up for you guys today. We'll be talking about this apparent lawsuit that's going to be happening between ex-Marvel executive Victoria Alonso and Disney. Alonso was fired by Disney last week in in a very kind of public and very uh, now um, kind of vicious fight that's happening between Alonso's legal team and uh, the parent company of Marvel, Disney, Alonzo, uh, promoting a movie that was not a Disney movie that she worked on, and that being a breach of her contract, according to Disney. There's been a lot of back and forth, so we'll break that down. A lot of interesting details about Alonzo's role at Disney and some of the issues that may have been linked to some of the stuff we've seen on the Marvel side of things. So a lot of fascinating commentary and details coming out of the Alonzo firings. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Now, this is not a movie that we've actually seen yet, so we're not ready to do a review. But we have box office numbers not looking good. Uh, Critical reception, eh. I won't say terrible, but not great. Uh, But And then there's some some very interesting commentary as well from some of the people working on this film, including Zachary Levi, who is... Essentially blaming The Rock for why Shazam Fury of the Gods did not do as well at the box office as it should have. So we'll have that in here as well. Plus, a show that we're very, very excited about, X-Men 97, a a continuation of X-Men the Animated Series. You got some more details from the showrunner, executive producer of that uh, show that's going to be happening on Disney Plus later this year. So we'll break that down as well. All coming together on New Generation Hero Talk. Excited to have you guys here. Joining me are my co-hosts, starting with Shamari Stewart. Now, Sham, one of the things uh, as we record on this Saturday afternoon, one of the things that came out this uh, this week was, or today actually, is these new photos from the set of Joker. So, some people have taken some pictures, some professional pictures of what looks to be Harley Quinn, played by Lady Gaga, in New York City, she's being flanked by a bunch of uh, NYP, look, I guess Gotham City police officers. This show, the city, this was a shot, of course, in uh, in uh, NYC. Um, there's a pictures of Lady Gaga. So her, she's wearing a red blazer, a kind of uh, diamond checkered uh, blouse. Um, she has some interesting uh, eye makeup, and she's being led out of a uh, out of looks like a courtroom. Um, what do you think, Shamari? These early shots we're getting. From Joker here, and and in this particular shot of Lady Gaga's Harley Quinn. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and I mean, this Gotham kind of is New York, right? I mean, they got Gotham. They yeah. Gotham Square Garden was it? Like, well, that was the Batman. Or oh no, that's the Batman. You're right. Yeah. Um, but this Gotham is still New York. I'm sorry. Um, is it in the same universe? Question mark. Definitely no. not. No, it's not the same universe. Definitely not. Um. <laughs> But yeah, this Gotham still feels a lot like New York. But I don't know, just talking as New York. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, she looks great. I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest, you guys. She looks great. Uh, we haven't seen any footage yet. Um, you know, you know everything that I've seen Gaga in in terms of acting, she's been great. Um, yeah, she's one of these legit singers that can really act. She can act. She can. She can really act. She's very, very, very talented. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see her in this role and, uh, you know, really seeing what, what Todd Phillips is able to do. Um, but yeah, these are very captivating shots, so I'm impressed. Kendall joins us on the pod as well, as you just heard him. Kendall, how are you feeling about some of these shots from, uh, Joker 2? 
Yeah, no, I mean, this is, uh, uh, first of all, glad to be here, but um, it's interesting. I mean, one, I will say that uh, these Joker movies are, are, you know, are like throwbacks to the old school, old school way of like uh, set photos being leaked and not caring about people seeing what's happening. Yeah, same thing happened in Joker 1. Yep, yep, and, and, and we talked about it at the time. I actually think it's helped them, you know. We t- we talked about it last time. The uh, Joker one came out, it gives you a kind of a a preview without watching a trailer of what the movie yeah. is gonna yeah, be. It was getting so bad we kind of had to just stop because there were whole like scenes and like Joker yeah, chasing yeah, stuff. The scenes in the subway, out. him getting out of the out of the train was just someone just know, shot yeah. that on their phone. Yeah, they just took the whole thing. Just like, no, nah, I can't watch. And it was kind of weird though because like we had no context of what this meant. It looked yeah. crazy. But yeah. I think this when you, fire. I don't know what's going on though. <laughs> right, yeah. And and when you watch the movie, it's not like it was like some misdirect or they didn't put no. it in the movie. Like it's yeah. there and it's yeah, a big the movie, part yeah. of the movie. But I didn't feel like <laughs> right. I was spoiled. I was just like, oh yeah, that's that's that scene that we saw. You know, so or it's like the meme that we see of Joker, you know, the guy, the Joker guy flying, you know, uh <laughs> in the street, you know, getting yeah. hit. <laughs> you know. Um but yeah, no, yeah, they they so I'm it's interesting that that we that we're seeing this. Not surprising given the last uh, movie, but um, I mean, look, this is a huge it's a huge casting. It's it's smart because obviously she has her her rabid fan base yeah. uh, in the music industry, um, but it's 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 someone that, like you guys mentioned, has a demonstrated history of being able to act at a high level. So, um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see this character. Um, and I wonder at what point in the movie is this? Because, you know, we really don't know. Is this going to be a movie about her, you know, slow, slowly but surely, you know, becoming Harley Quinn like the last movie was with Joker, where, you know, he, he wasn't Joker, you know, in the first or really even second act? Or is this like, is she going to be Harley Quinn early on in the movie? You know, so that'll be interesting to see. That is a good question as well, Kano, because I, I see this picture and, you know, it, clearly she's gotten on the wrong side of the law by this point in the movie. Um, so that would make you think that maybe it's later because you would think that you want to see kind of somewhat of a development of this relationship between Joker and Harley Quinn. You know, so assuming it's going to be Joker, you know, in Arkham Asylum and uh, Harley Quinn being a uh, a uh, green and... Um, arrogant uh you know psychologist being then duped by the joker you think that that's going to be where the story goes that's technically that's essentially where the story usually goes with these two but who knows maybe maybe that's not the direction they go maybe they're going to try to kind of uh, speed through that and and get us you know these two as uh partners in crime and love so to speak it maybe it'll be both maybe it'll be some of both maybe it'll kind of they try to split it in half but what's interesting is i think the those set photos we saw from Joker one, those were later in the movie. Like like the things that they we actually saw that kept coming out, uh, him in the alleyway. We mentioned and him on the steps. I mentioned him on uh in the train. Those subway shots particularly because they were again videos of that. Those were all like last ten minutes of the movie or last fifteen minutes of the movie. Like that was not like recent. <laughs> oh, this is like you know early in the movie or even the middle of the movie. So I kind of wonder if like. What we're seeing is kind of like the end of this movie, essentially, which is, you know, uh, you know, Harley is, you know, gone or Harleen has not gone full Harley, 
and now maybe she's already done something terrible and this is her now being you know taken away and maybe this is her costume even i mean who knows but i think it was great i kind of like the energy i like the shot where she's kind of looking back at the crowd as she's being thrown rushed into the uh into the, the uh into the courtroom or courthouse and she has a fist up in the air like very definitely seems a very harley quinn kind of action i also see in some of these uh and set photos, seeing some of that, the crowd, like there's a one particular uh, shot where there's a someone that holds a Joker marry me uh, uh, sign. So I think that kind of will continue the arc that we saw towards the end of the last movie, which is that, you know, the Joker is like going to inspire a lot of people, which is honestly become somewhat of a I don't want I don't want to know if I call it a trope yet, but that is something that we're seeing a lot more in some of these more recent live action things is that like that the joker inspires other people to be like the joker or they take some kind of inspiration from him and it like to some degree maybe it's not that unrealistic because of what we see in our like present day society but um but it, it is interesting that they're going to kind of continue to build on that sham yeah yeah it is very interesting um and and i feel like another I don't know. I mean, I I have very high, ex- yeah. Honestly, I'll say I have very high expectations for this, for this, um, for her role in this movie and for this movie in general. Obviously, Joker one. I actually rewatched Joker one recently, like just a few days ago. And it's really good. Um, and um, the Harley Quinn character, of course, is just a, like you said. Harley Quinn has a rabid fan base. Lady Gaga has a rabid fan base. And the character has such a great story to tell. And I'm sure, EJ, I'm sure you've you've probably read some Harley Quinn like other stories, comics, origin yeah. stories, etc. And like I recently was listening to an audio drama uh, for about Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. um, and it's very captive. It's a very captivating story, and it, it, it's easy to feel for this character because she doesn't start out like she has a backstory. She doesn't start out like insane, right. you know. And it's very gripping. She's like her father's sick and she needs money and she, she's in there in this crazy asylum you know it's like in gotham of all places so it's like a very dangerous kind of setting so it's just something a lot of people can relate to and todd phillips can just he can do he can just it's like a sandbox you know so think, i'm i'm very excited yeah i mean i think one of the reasons why harley quinn i think is in many ways like I, 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 I like Harley Quinn. I wouldn't call myself a Harley Quinn fan, but I like Harley Quinn. But like, right. Har- And I think anybody who like grew up on the Batman and the Mysteries has to like Harley Quinn. Like, that's <laughs> where she was created. But, like, I, like, kind of, like, I, like, am, like, jealous of Harley Quinn fans because in some ways, like, Harley Quinn is, like, somewhat of a dying breed of character in the sense that, like, this is a character that we're continuing to see their lore and their mythology develop because they're so young and young in years in terms of being in the comic book superhero realm uh, uh entertainment realm because it's a character that was developed in 1993 right. so the story that are coming out we've seen so many different iterations uh, we've seen her growth like it part of me like part of the reason why i kind of was like on the fence about this movie as a whole was the idea that we we're going back to harley quinn and the joker because to me harley is like outgrown that in some degree, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like you, she'll always be yep. connected to the Joker, but like, if you look at 
whether you're watching that Harley Quinn show on HBO Max, which is spectacular, whether you're reading Harley Quinn comic books, whether you're reading Suicide Squad, whether whatever you're looking at, like it is a very good chance you're really not going to be watching content that like heavily involves Joker with Harley Quinn. And like as a fan, like that's got to be awesome because like we've really seen this character grow, and we've seen now um, her relationships with people within the DC universe grow. So that's what makes it great, as somebody mentioned, because like this is someone with a kind of a young lore that if you do want to say, let's take it back, take it back, take it way back to quote logic um, to like the beginning. It doesn't feel so like, oh, here we go. Here's Uncle Ben dying again. Oh, here's a uh, here's a, uh, you know, the Wayne's getting shot again. Yeah, here's the Wayne's getting you knew exactly what I was going. Here's the Wayne's getting shot. Oh, his Krypton blowing up again. <laughs> like, like it doesn't feel that way because we, it, you know, this origin was developed so young, but also because they've been able to grow her character so beyond this so fast that now going back to it just doesn't feel quite as like overdone. Like in some ways, like Batman, all those characters, his name, Batman, Superman, and and Spider Man. In some ways, all of them are still that little kid, like. In some ways, Superman is still that kid who's holding on to the fact that he's the last son of Krypton. In many ways, Batman, for the most part, is that same kid in that alley. And we know Spider-Man holds the values of Uncle Ben to him near and dear up until today. Harley Quinn totally different, where she like, this is something she wants to forget. This is something she doesn't actually enjoy to, to relive. So to go back to it, it's like, oh yeah, this is like, like there's no iteration of Harley Quinn I could watch right now that is this origin story with the Joker. And that's what kind of makes it fresh. My, uh, my last question would be, should, cause you guys are talking about the expectations are high. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting character that we're, that's going to be explored. Should Margot Robbie be concerned? Um, obviously the suicide squad doesn't seem like it's going to be touched too much by James Gunn since he worked with them. But, uh, so, I mean, we don't know exactly what that means for her, but we'd expect to see her back. Right. Um, but, and this has been a character that she's, uh, you know, had on lock for a good three, four, five years now. Um, but this, this, this is a, this is a, I mean, this is a movie that, there's a, there's a role that is going to have a, a real shot at winning an Academy Award, you know? Uh, just based off of what the last movie did, um, that's that's what I would imagine Lady Gaga is shooting for, or at least being nominated. Uh, should Margot Robbie be concerned at all about Harley Quinn being the 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 number one Harley Quinn being like Lady Gaga going forward? I mean, my my instinct tells me no, but then my like further brain and further analysis quickly in this 20 seconds that I had to think about this question tells me maybe only because it's weird because it's like, okay, the guy, it's almost like when you're a player and you know, the guy that was the head coach of your team becomes the general manager. So you think, okay, well I should be safe. But sometimes that's like a, sometimes that can be a bad thing. Sometimes they're like, Oh, this is something I always wanted to change. So like maybe I'll find a way to get rid of this guy, you know? And like, yeah, Harley, you would think Mara Robbie would be perfectly safe given that she was the main character, one of the main characters in a James Gunn DC film, 
you know, like you think, okay, well, there's, you know, why would she be any concern? But like because James Gunn is now re- recreating this DC universe in entirely his own image, in some ways he was gives like given Marvel Robbie, like he didn't cast Marvel Robbie, so. I don't know. Maybe he will decide, hey, I'm I'm going to redo the Suicide Squad again. Or maybe I just won't. Maybe I'll never do the Suicide Squad again. But I, I don't. if I want to do this Harley Quinn Joker thing involving Batman, like, I don't know if I want Harley Quinn around. Yeah. And that could be that, that could be could be something he decides. Um, but my my initial instinct tells me no, just because like, I still feel like Margot is a a big enough star. Like there's very few stars. Like Lady Gaga there are very few people I would want to put up against sort of star power with Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Margot Robbie is a bigger star than Lady Gaga. I would not say that. Yeah, but, but they're in the same strategy. But I think she's the kind of person that could survive this. Very few actors, I think, could survive this. She's probably one of five, I would say, maybe, in, in that same age group, in that same career path. That would say like we uh, saw, we they saw, could probably live with this. We saw mm-hmm. Jared Leto get wiped off the face of the earth by, by uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I think, and I agree with you guys. I think we saw, like even, um, and it's funny that we use this as a kind of a barometer. But I feel like even at the last Comic Con, EJ, we saw plenty of Harley Quinns still, still there, um, yeah. and and like and like Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn, and like she's still very popular, um, you know. And I don't know. And 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 look, just to be honest, and on top of that, she's still a very good Harley Quinn. Like yes. just she's a very good Harley Quinn. Yeah, I still thought she was great in Birds of Prey, even though you know I guess a lot I, a lot of people yeah. still had issues like with the movie. movie. I like the movie. I thought she was yeah. great in the movie. I did too. She did a great job. Every time I see her as Harley Quinn, she does a great job. <laughs> so there's no reason. She, I don't think she has like a reason to be scared. And and I feel like there's still space for other Harley Quinns. Um, I feel like even the voice on the animated show is kind of carving her own. Yeah, Kaylee carving Cuoco. her own. I was actually going to yeah, say. Yeah, Kaylee Cuoco is kind of yeah. carving her own kind of space. And Tara Strong, still, in my opinion, still, I mean, it's Harley Quinn, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think she'll be fine. And that, that was what I was going to say when you mentioned Kaylee. Like, I feel like the only reason I think this question is even, like, valid is in part because, like, Margot doesn't have, like, an obvious, like, classic project involving Harley Quinn. Like she has one that critics liked, but like it's kind of like mixed reviews by fans. She has a Suicide Squad movie that like came out during the pandemic and honestly I just don't like I feel like that was a good movie, but I just don't know if enough people like watched it or like really like came away like with big opinions about it at during that time. And so like it kind of got like forgotten. Even though I think it's one of the best DC movies probably ever made. Um, and, of course, she has that terrible Suicide Squad movie with David Ayer. So, like, she doesn't, like, you know, it's almost like she's Mike Trout. Like, she's, she's you know, been playing on, like, subpar teams or maybe the one year she had was in the bubble. <laughs> you know what I mean? The yeah, yeah. So, like, in some ways, it's like she, people will always, like, love her character, her role, because she's done a good job, but she hasn't had a great project. Like, what would... Concern me if I was her is to see like Margot, excuse me, see Lady Yaga, you know, have like an Oscar type performance, which is extremely possible in this film. Have uh, Hay- Hay- Quoco continue to do, you know, outstanding work and, and create a, and grow a cult following 
for one of the best animated shows, one of the best shows on TV right now in, in the Harley Quinn on HBO Max, and her be like, yo, what the hell is going on with me? Like, I, like what's going on with what I'm doing? That would be a little concerning if I was her. That may be the place where maybe be most concerned, because maybe that's where you can be forgotten. But the one reason why I don't think she's being forgotten is what Sham pointed out to in terms of the, her fans. I think it's because her character is the is the only live action version that is again furthest along in like that development beyond the Joker. Again, like it's the closest thing to if I want to see the Harley Quinn that I'm seeing in other iterations that aren't the 1993-1994 you know version of her with the Joker I gotta go to Margot Robbie's depiction Margot Robbie and Suicide Squad both movies Margot Robbie and uh in Birds of Prey like that's the closest thing you'll get to like where Harley Quinn is now in her development as a character that's what so that I think is like the saving grace for her yeah yeah I mean I I would yeah, I mean, I would agree with you there, EJ. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think she'll be all right. Um, you know, she is a she is a a good Harley Quinn. She does a good job. She is she pops off the screen. Uh, um, but I mean, it's one of those things. We're also, I mean, we're gonna have to see when Gaga comes out and if she's like, if she is has a has a Joaquin Phoenix esque. Uh, you know, Heath Ledger-esque type of uh, performance. I mean, we're just going to have to see. Joker, Foley, Adu, set to hit theaters October 4th, 2024. So let's get into the rest of this show we have today. So longtime Marvel executive Vittorio Alonso is out after being dismissed by Disney. The firing apparently stemming from Alonso breaching her contract by promoting Argentina 1985, a movie that she produced during her time while she was at marvel um her promotion of that movie is apparently what was uh the breach of her contract there's also reports that um it contributed to some of the delays that we saw in the visual effects and recent marvel studios projects then there was also reports that um victoria alonzo which had been disputed by the way but um chris lee had uh had reported he's from new york magazine he's a senior writer he reported that uh, that he saw he had many sources telling telling them that that Alonzo um, was one of the biggest problems when it came to the avalanche of work, as he put it, that was being put onto uh, visual effects artists and the uh, and and some of the blacklisting and some of the ways in which she moved and how she would um, you know kind of blacklist people who got on her bad side or didn't do work that she liked or or weren't up to snuff in her eyes, and that she was one of the big problems when it came to the disconnect between uh, Marvel, Disney, and the visual effects companies that they worked with, which is something we've heard a lot about over the last two or three, uh, two or three years, something we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit. Now, Alonzo uh, and her legal team now pushing back against all that. This is the, the quote from her lawyer, Patty Glasser, um, who said, quote, the idea that Vittorio was fired over a handful of press interviews relating to a personal passion project about human rights and democracy that was nominated for an Oscar, which she got Disney's blessing to work on, is absolutely ridiculous. Victoria, a gay Latina who had the courage to criticize Disney, was silenced. Then she was terminated when she refused to do something she believed was reprehensible. Disney and Marvel made a really poor decision that would have serious consequences. There is a lot of lot more to the story, and Vittorio will be telling it shortly in one form or another. Uh, Disney 
uh, has its own statement out saying it's unfortunate that Victoria is sharing a narrative that leaves out several key factors concerning her departure, including an in indisputable breach of contract and a direct violation of company policy. We will continue to wish her the best uh, for the future and thank her for her numerous contributions to the studio. So, uh, Sham, a lot going on here with this uh, Victoria uh, Alonzo story. Um, again, she she produced this documentary. Um, her contract initially didn't allow her to do that. Uh, they reworked the deal so that she could do that. Um, she was asked not to promote it, and that's where the 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 that's where that's where this whole issue boils down to now with seeing these two uh, two parties. What do you make of uh, Alonzo's ouster and some of the chatter coming about? Well, just kind of what her role had been at at, at Marvel. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is, uh, this is definitely something for me that came out of left field. I think for a lot of people, um, I didn't feel any particular, uh, way about Victoria Alonso. Um, I mean, obviously she's one of the, she was, she, uh, was of course one of the heads at Disney and, and, um, you know, I'm not familiar with this, you know, Argentina 1985 project. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just it's just something, one of those things that, that kind of as a fan, just as a consumer of <laughs> of, uh, you know, Disney content, Marvel content comes out. It comes out of nowhere. Um, so. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I I don't know you know, what effect this, this may have. I'm not, you know, I am, uh, um, I guess it's funny in terms of like my day job, I guess I'm, I'm starting to learn more about like regulations and U S code and various different things, but I'm not, I'm not well versed enough in, in contract law and employment law and <laughs> labor laws in, in terms of like whether, what kind of case that she has, um, here and, you know, this is a very Disney has, you know, of course, some of the, probably the, the best lawyers on the planet, I, I would imagine. So, um, so yeah, she's got a fight ahead of her and, and, you know, we'll see how things go. Um, you know, these kind though, it just in general, these kinds of spurious kind of firings like this, you know, especially when, when the, when the, the person that's being fired is, is, is just, it's just completely taken aback by it. Generally something that I don't, I don't, you know, see as a positive thing. Right. Um, so, you know, I do kind of, I do feel for her in that sense. And, um, you know, but, but at the same time, I'm, you know, she's, this, she had a very high position at Disney and she'll be all right regardless, but still, still not something you ever want to hear about. So, um, so yeah, we'll kind of see how it goes. And Kendall, like, this is a very interesting, like, I feel like the headline, the headline Marvel executive fired from Disney and you see she worked on visual effects, like, I think the headlines make you kind of point to like, oh, like I can see why the person that was doing the visual effects and animation at Marvel will be fired given what we've seen in recent years. But it, Disney is not pushing that narrative. And um, though there are some narratives that they seem to be pushing that is interesting. I think one narrative that's interesting is that um, Alonzo taking days off to conduct personal business that included producing this film um, led to a logjam for the Marvel films and the TV shows in post-production. 
according to insiders, which we know, I assume, were people from Disney. That part, interesting. But besides that part, uh, everything else seems to be kind of in the ballpark of, like, you should not have been promoting this movie, and therefore, like, you had to go. With also Alonzo saying, like, I was doing, you know, essentially, like, you know, Good Samaritan work in terms of promoting this film that had been practicing project talking about, um, you know, injustices in this country and in, in the world uh, and abroad. And then adding to this, the fact that when the part where she's in that statement, which says she was silenced, that comes from this allegation from Alonzo that she was benched by Disney from doing press interviews after she came out. Um, and it came out with a statement against Disney, then CEO uh, Bob Chapik, saying that they need the company needed to take a much bigger stand against the uh, Florida "Don't Say Gay" bill that had been, you know, being pushed through the Florida, uh, the Florida, you know, legislature, and, and that it was at that point that Disney said, "Hey, you guys stop doing interviews." So it, it's kind of a little bit of a jumble mess. It seems like there's a lot going on here. It's almost like a little jambalaya of controversy <laughs> involving um alonzo she's trying to kind of paint it as like i was doing this other good samaritan work and disney's not firing me for it meanwhile the other good samaritan work i was doing in terms of making disney holding their feet to fire never they never liked that to begin with disney is keeping it on the in the playing field of like hey this whole thing stems from you simply breaching your contract but then also here's the thing about you really not doing your job while you were here so kind of where do you stand on kind of how this all shook out Look, I mean, obviously you you laid it out perfectly. It's it's very much a he said she said deal right now. Where and it will it's always it it always will be when we don't know when it's not something that we saw play out like in real time. It's just something that happened behind the scenes. Yeah. And you know there are two parties that, like Shamari said, have the best lawyers in the world. You know, working on this deal. You know, working on this case. Uh, so both sides are going to seem like they're innocent and both sides are going to seem like they're guilty at the same time, uh, until we get more facts until we, you know, until we see everything play out, uh, more so. Um, what I will say though, is obviously we've talked about Marvel's sort of struggles, you know, it's not like they've been, not like they've been terrible, but they haven't hit, uh, you know, at the same rate that they did. Uh, in the last saga of, of, of films, you know, since phase four started. Um, and this kind of behind the scenes drama was not, it, like, it was not nearly as prevalent at Marvel, you know, five, ten years ago. Uh, there were, it, they had their issues, particularly with Ike Perlmutter. Um, but, this this type of deal sounds a lot like DC. This sounds like yeah. Walter Hamada, That's just and what I'll Johns, say, yeah. That's a good point, and all the stuff that we had Ray Fisher, all the stuff that we had to deal with at DC. And again, you know, in some cases it was we didn't know who to believe, we didn't know, you know, is is a lot of corporate, you know, like Shmari said, labor issues that hard to hard to 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 give your opinion on from afar, but. What what it tells you, what it told us about DC was it's chaotic, jumbled mess. And it's what we saw on screen. And 
for the longest time with Marvel, we never had to worry about that because at the end of the day, Marvel, you, you know, I'm sure they had their issues like any, you know, any, you know, corporation or business that's running at that high of a level. But a lot of times they don't reach the tabloids because, you know, at the end of the day, success cures all, 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 all ailments in a lot of ways. And, you know, this is the type of deal. It's like when you watch, and we always talk about sports, but, you know, you have a, you know, a, a, a football team or a basketball team or a baseball team that, you know, is winning at a high level and all sort all of a sudden you start hearing this guy's not happy with this and, you know, dissension starts to creep in and then all of a sudden you start losing games and you see the Warriors, Draymond Green's punching Jordan Poole before the season and right. they're not, they're not playing as well as they did last year. They're not going to win a championship like they did last year more than likely. So, you know, Sometimes you think this could be a total coincidence and have nothing to do with the quality of uh, the, the 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 dipping quality that we've seen from Marvel over the past three or four years, or it could be, or it could be correlated with that. It's hard to tell, but you know, Victoria Alonso was a figure that you know a lot of people looked at as you know one of the two or three biggest names at Marvel. Uh, you know, when you, besides besides Kevin Feige, it was. Her and, and D'Esposito and Nate Moore has been emerging a lot recently. Those have been the, the that, that's sort of the, the the brain trust that we've that we've sort of dealt with for a long time. So this doesn't this doesn't come this doesn't come without like major major like ramifications. The the most interesting part, maybe not the most interesting part, but another interesting part is that you know Kevin Feige was aware that this was going to happen and he didn't intervene. He was like, uh, you know, not my call. I'll let you guys handle it. I, yeah. I don't know yeah, what yeah. that means, but that was an interesting part. Yeah, that was. Um, and I, I was gonna kind of gonna say too, like, um, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys would agree, but things like this, there's, there's clearly more to this because at, at the level that she was at, you don't just get fired like this. That doesn't happen. Um, no, yeah, that, that doesn't happen. Yeah, so, oh, you wrote this you, is a high level executive out of, yeah, out of at, nowhere Marvel, at Marvel Studios. Yes, a public out facing of, figure, yeah, you know, public, public, very, very public, public. <laughs> not just like, oh, you know, kind of very public. Every I watch every red carpet, she's at every red carpet. I know, yeah, yeah interviews, being interviewed, yeah, uh, talking to the fans, talking to you know, the world at large. Like, she's a very public face, um, and just be fired immediately. Just, it, Kind of immediately, uh, they uh, they say they warned her, sent her warning several times. I mean, you know, even that would indicate, yeah, there's been more conversations, right? Conversations have been had, right? Exactly. You know, probably several times about something. Fill in the blank. We don't know what exactly, but there's clearly more to this. Um, I don't know if we'll find out everything. Probably never, but but we'll, uh, we may find out more because stuff like this doesn't just happen like this. Yeah, it's going to be a saga that will continue to play out. You get the feeling this is, you know, far from the beginning of the Vittorio Alonso versus Disney fight. But we'll see how this affects things. Um, I don't like hearing that delays we were getting because she was working on this other movie. Like, I don't like hearing that. Um, when you combine that with Chris Lee saying that uh, every visual shot effects shot had to be, you know, uh, you know, essentially approved by Victoria Alonso along with Kevin Feige a job that typically will actually go to a showrunner or a director of a film. I don't like hearing that either. If you're talking about someone who's working on other stuff and promoting other so, stuff. Now that's not to say that like she 
shouldn't be allowed to do that, but then you probably have to kind of, um, you you would have to re- renege, for lack of a better term, like some responsibility if you're going to, you can't be saying, say, I'm the end-all be-all, but also, like, I can't do this today because I got to work on some other project. Like, for the right. fans that be are Matt loyal Johnson to Disney and Marvel, like, you got to, you got to, you got to be all in. If you want to be Magic Johnson running the Lakers, like, you know, that's fine. You can do this project. <laughs> yeah. When the draft, you know, when the trade deadline shows up, but, but no, I mean, like, I, I mean, I thought that obviously, you know, when it comes to some of these sources and reports, I take a lot with a grain of salt right now, just yeah. because both sides are gonna be throwing some ugly accusations out there and stuff that, you know, gonna make both sides look really bad. Um, but, but I will say though, I thought I did think that the that the anecdote about her and Feige, you know checking every shot of every movie and every project does not sound, does not sound surprising. It's not something that I, I mean, it's something that we've sort of speculated on this show for years that, Oh, like, yeah, Kevin Feige is the showrunner of everything. He's the director of everything. I mean, he's going to be a little bit more, you know, and it does, it does wonder, it does make you wonder if that is true. And if that is the case, does that, does that play into the narrative that, yeah, you know, Marvel's a little too, you know, it's been stretched too thin with all these projects that they've been, uh, that they've been trying to produce and Kevin Ken Feige's heavily involved in them all. And Kendall, doesn't this sound like, and look, we always, we always point back to Lucasfilm, right? But doesn't this sound like the Kathleen Kennedy situation with, uh, Solo yep. and her being way too involved and telling, telling, you know, Lord Miller what to do and telling them how to, how to do this and how to do that. Yep. It just being a complete mess um, for yep. that, and then Rogue One, and all these other issues that they had. And for more, I mean, for Lucasfilm, it was like three or four movies in a row. Yeah, several you know, movies, several Colin projects. Tomorrow left episode nine. Yeah, Ryan Johnson stuff with episode eight, you know. and just all all these different projects that had all these issues. Um, and then, as we saw, when she stepped back, things started. You, those those stories just went away. Yeah, yep. <laughs> they just went away. So yeah. maybe the situation where Disney needs to kind of move in a similar direction. Yeah, and, and I would say this is the last thing here. Like, I'll be honest, man. Like, seeing this news, and I'm not. I don't. I don't know for sure. I'm not saying it's for sure. But when I saw this Alonzo firing, and and I think about Kevin Feige, this was the first time where I started to think about a future that is Marvel future that is post Kevin Feige. Because is he is he checked out? That's just the feeling I get, man. When you like, hear, I, yeah, I, I don't care. Fire, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, like, like, okay, like, it's like, <laughs> like, like, is what is this so bad, so toxic that he has to just completely like, distance himself from it in order to like not get any blowback? I mean, that could very well be the case, but I don't even think it was beyond. Uh, to me, I don't know if it's necessarily just the the idea that he, like he's checked out that concerned me. I think it was the idea that. As you said before, Shamari said before that this thing it may be stretched too thin. Like if we really are in a, in a scenario that we kind of all again believed that like Feige and Alonzo are like so hands on on every single thing that happens, and there's no way that one or two people could be that hands on everything happening when you have three or four or five projects coming out every single year. It did kind of make you wonder, like yo, like is this like the right way they should go about doing this? So we've talked about the slippage we've seen from Marvel from a creative standpoint. And it's just the first time I wondered, like, what would life be like without Kevin Feige? Like, it might be better. Like, I re- like I never thought that until this week. Like, even throughout all of these troubles, I've you know 
I've always called Kevin Feige the GOAT movie producer because that's truly what I believe. And he still is. But I I just see this and I and see and I agree with Kendall, like you gotta take a lot of stuff with a grain of salt that's coming out, right? I mean the media aftermath. Some of it is contradictory. Like how can you be someone that is so overbearing and, and like crushing your visual effects people with too much work, but also like not around. Like, you know, so like some of this stuff is actually contradictory. So, you know, some of these narratives may be true, but some of them ain't. So we're going to, we're going to have to decipher that. We're going to, you know, figure this thing out over the next however many months, maybe even years that this plays out. But like just so much of the noise you see and, and, and whether it's one way or the other, it's either, it's a toxic environment regardless. You can't have people that are so checked out or so stretched so thin that they can't be around to get the work done at an adequate level. Or you can't have people that are like just like crushing their visual effects people with too much work. It can't be either way. And and you can't have this and you clearly can't have this behind the scenes strife happening with Disney and one of your top executives about what they can and can't do working on other films. So it just made me feel like wow, like you like Shamari mentioned, this felt a lot like Disney like. This felt a DC like. This felt like a lot of that politics that we dealt with before and i don't like hearing that i really don't but shout out to uh tori alonzo i mean you know it's always a tough day when somebody gets fired i definitely don't like wish that on anybody so uh wish her nothing but the best moving forward um let's shift gears uh and we'll get back to some marvel stuff in a second but i do quickly want to talk about shazam fury of the gods because um it has been a rough rollout rollout for the film um it debuted at number one but uh has grossed just 30 million dollars in its first weekend at the box office, sixty million dollars world uh, in total. Thirty million um, in in the U.S., thirty million worldwide. So not making the kind of dent you would expect from a a, a movie of this caliber, a, a, a superhero uh, a sequel, which typically they do very well in terms of box office numbers, regardless of whether or not they're like you know good or not good critically. Um, from the critical standpoint, right now in Rotten Tomatoes, it is at a 51 scoring, so that is not quite good. Audience score is at 87, so that's something to put in, to keep into mind. But um, 51 right now is the score for Shazam, Fury of the Gods. And one of the interesting things that's been coming about it is it feels like almost as soon as the movie came out, pleas were being copped everywhere. Everything was about all the things. And let me, uh, uh, yeah, so it's been, I'm sorry, I was looking at numbers and I got mixed up here. But yes, it's been pleased being copped almost immediately as this film, after this film came out as to what happened, which is never a good sign. But clearly, they kind of knew what was coming regarding the poor, the very least, the poor, what's the name? The poor um, commercial success. I saw uh, Sandberg, who uh, uh, wrote, who produced, uh, um, David, who, directed this film, he feels like the movie is underrated. I saw him say that. But there has been a lot of talk about why there wasn't more connection to the stuff happening in Shazam, uh, in Black Adam, and apparently a lot of this stuff was nixed by The Rock. So uh, first you have um, the story that was told that apparently uh, David Sandberg had already uh, been ready to shoot a... Uh, mid-credit scene that that had some of the Justice Society characters in it and that it was Dwayne uh, The Rock Johnson who apparently came in and said, no, you guys cannot do that. Three days before they were supposed to film that scene. One insider for uh, who talked to The Rat said, quote, Dwayne tries to sell himself as bigger than the movie. He's one of the few people who always thinks he's the most important person in any situation or room. 
instead of making a movie he wants to extend his brand and make a brand centered on himself by alienating the established property that his character was born out of and refusing to integrate with other established characters johnson systematically crippled two franchises and has harmed dc in the process um and adding kind of fuel to this fire was literally Zachary Levi himself, who uh, has been very vocal on Twitter and on social media and open in conversations about what happened with this movie and some of the issues they had. Um, in a Q&A uh, on Instagram, Levi said, quote, people are sliding on James Gunn because Jennifer Holland's wife, who is an actress who's on Peacemaker, who's in the Suicide Squad, which is connected to just society. We use them, but that was not the original intent. The original intent was to have Hawkman and Cyclone be there to invite me. So our in, in, intent, our desire, Walter Hamada, Peter Saffron, David Sandberg, myself, everybody, we had an awesome scene that would have tied me into the JSA with Hawkman and with Cyclone. And we were thwarted. Um, and thwarted by who? I think we all know that that being uh, the rock. So, uh, I've seen a couple, I've seen a various different takes on this. Um, I've seen those that say, you know, is it fair to kind of, you know, you know, kind of let, you know, kick a dog while it's down, so to speak, and, and come out with saying, oh, well, you know, the reason why we didn't do well is because some other guy didn't allow us to do what we wanted to do. I don't know. I think that in some degree, I don't know if that's necessarily fair regarding the promotion of the movie, only because if it's a mid-credit you're talking about, I don't necessarily know how much a mid-credit scene will lead to a big box office. Like we kind of got our first like test of that with Black Adam. Because like the whole promotion for Black Adam at the very least the last month of it was this like idea of Superman being in a mid-credit scene. So like I don't know if like the fact that they couldn't not even use the rock, just use GSA characters was the reason why this movie didn't do well. But I do think it speaks to a larger issue that happened with Dwayne and his time at DC. And it was this lack of an embrace for the lore he was working in. And I do find that a little disrespectful of the lore. I think I find that a little um, arrogant of him to look at Shazam as a character, as a character that brought about the Black Adam character and say that this is beneath me and not something worth my time. And I don't know, like, like that, that does not, that does not, that does not sit right with me. I do feel like if he made clear he didn't want nothing to do with Shazam, I could understand him saying, well, if, if I want to do Shazam, don't connect him to characters that I'm working with regularly. That doesn't make sense. I guess from his vantage point, I totally, I, I understand why, he would come to that conclusion, but the re- but I don't. I guess the, the, to answer the, to, to, to the large point is I don't like his conclusion he came to that Shazam and Black Adam shouldn't be crossover. That is preposterous. That's like saying we're going to do Superman versus Lex Luthor, or Lex Luthor is going to be in the world, and we're never going to connect them to Superman. It's like saying we're going to do something involving the Green Goblin, and we're never going to connect them to Spider Man. It just doesn't make any sense. I know Black Adam has a reach that can go beyond Shazam, but the idea that you're just never going to touch those characters, they wear the same freaking costume. It's its ridiculous. And I, I, I don't, like, knowing The Rock, I 
part of me wants him to explain this, but then like knowing how he explains this and how corny he comes across when he does it, may someone sometimes make you think he just let this go, take these hits and move on because you know we know that the Black Adam situation is not going anywhere at this point. But um, yeah, a, a little weird that I feel like Shazam is coming out and deciding that hey, this is why we didn't do well because of The Rock. That's a little weak on their point, but I do think that it's ridiculous that 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 The Rock was so um against working with Shazam on any level. And I think as a superhero fan, as someone who loves the Shazam character, I think it's absurd. So I don't know how. What do you take, Sham, from this? These uh, conversations happening involving Shazam and The Rock, quote unquote, kneecapping um, these franchises. Um, well, I mean, I, I certainly don't think you can blame can blame The Rock for any kind of poor success of this of this movie, or, or probably not really any other movie. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to to put the blame on him. I I would agree with you in general that I don't I don't like his take that they should just never be connected. Um, like I just don't agree with that because I mean the characters are connected. I mean there's no there's no way around that, and you know he he very continuously touts like you know wanting to be true to the Black Adam story. He said that like several times, um, you know, in the lead up to the Black Adam movie. And how are you gonna have Black Adam not be connected to Shazam? That that like doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, in general, I don't agree with that. Um. But I don't agree that he was he you know was the cause or even kind of even a partial cause of the the lack of success for this movie. I mean, even just as evidence that that I haven't seen, none of us I believe have seen Shazam. Um, and you know, it's not because The Rock isn't in the movie. It, it, for me personally, it's because of the promotion. I mean, I can I can I can point directly to the promotion. If someone were to pull me right now, what was the biggest thing? Be the promotion. Uh, I mean, the villains look pretty, pretty, pretty bland, and uh, the general story doesn't seem, you know, it's just a Zan family. You know, I, I look forward to seeing it. I'm, I'm still going to see it, but I was not in any particular hurry to see it. I forgot it came out. I completely forgot it came out. <laughs> I, like, I'm just going to be honest. I totally forgot. I was like, oh, wow, Shazam is out. I didn't notice. Didn't notice. Didn't notice that it came out. <laughs> so, yeah. so their promotion was bad. It was bad promotion. The trailers were not. It didn't get you too hyped. I mean, okay, Shazam family fighting like a dragon and stuff, and you know, some kind of like evil wizard, um, um, you know, or evil evil goddesses that are coming down, and you know, they look pretty kind of kind of cookie cutter, honestly, kind of. I mean, so I don't know. And look, I'm not familiar with Shazam lore. They could be they could be deep in the Shazam lore. I'm not sure, but just in general. The characters, the villains themselves didn't look too compelling. And, you know, so it wasn't, it just didn't look that compelling. So that's what I would blame on it. Um, now, I, the audience score is high, so I I anticipate enjoying the movie. Because I haven't been seeing Night Eye with critics as much lately, so I'm thinking I'm thinking I'll probably like yeah. the movie. But but still, it's just, it's the, it was the, it was the uh, promotion. They didn't promote it right. So that's why. And I think it's something we talked about a lot, Kendall, that I think in some ways we talk about that promotion. It feels like now that we're in this, you know, new era of DC, you know, for, you know, WWE fans who are familiar with NXT 2.0, you know, we're entering DC 2.0. Quite frankly, it didn't really feel like the (laughs) DC promotion was like something that they were actually invested in or something that they actually tried to, to, to push forward in a major way. It felt like this was an afterthought. Um, 
Jamari forgot this movie's coming out, probably in part because of all the stuff we've been hearing about what's going to happen with the new DC. I mean, there's been no talk about whether Shazam will be a part of that. So, like, for me, I think part of the issue is what we talk about all the time is when you have a, you know, a show's being canceled or a show is not going to be moving forward, it's kind of hard to get up to watch it. Like, you know, Titans had his, his final episode maybe this week or it's coming up soon. I've not watched the season yet. Part because I know the season. This is the last one, even though there's a badass Robin suit that was put out there on social media. I'm like, yo, that looks fire. That's one of the oh, best Robin suits man, I've Titans ever seen. Legendary their costumes. Yeah, I mean that's one of the best Robin suits I've ever seen. So I'm like, yo, man, like maybe I should check this out. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, for what? For who? For what? You know, to quote, uh, um, uh, I guess that's Derek Coleman. I think who said that. But like that, that's kind of like how I feel sometimes, you know. And, and that's part of I think some of the issue with this. Um, this movie that DC wasn't promoting it as much because they knew that this was a kind of a dead franchise as that person pointed out that the rock had kneecapped two franchises, but also I think in some of these fans eyes as well, they're just like, uh, Shazam, there's no indication we're getting any future Shazam movies moving forward. So why am I going to run to the theater to see that? Um, yeah, I mean, that's always been my, that's, that's always been my, my, you know, philosophy as well. I talked about how I got to rewatch Punisher now because I didn't finish it. Yeah, but now I know Punisher's back. I got to watch it. You know, so I feel like uh, definitely did not help. You know, in terms of my excitement for this movie, uh, I also don't think James Gunn has done a great job um, with this movie. I mean, because on the one hand, you could argue uh, like, well, you know, I mean, there's excitement for the Flash, and obviously the Flash is a slightly bigger character, but there's excitement for the Flash, but there's not. Segment for Shazam, even though uh, the Flash was made prior to Gunn, you know, being involved. But Gunn has done everything in his power to push the fact that it's, you know, one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. Um, and, you know, I mean, I thought the anecdote <laughs> that we got last week about uh, David Zaslav giving uh, Tom Cruise a copy of the movie and, and Tom Cruise talking about how it was one of the greatest movies he had ever seen. It was very interesting. Um, and But again, all plays to the idea that Warner Brothers is doing everything in his power to push a narrative about the Flash movie uh, and not this movie. And, and you could argue it's because this movie's not, not as good as the Flash. But, um, but, but obviously they're not treating it with the same amount of excitement. And so that, that feeds into the into the box office at the end of the day. And maybe it's smart. You know, sometimes you don't want a lot of people to see a movie that's not worth it, you know, in some, in some ways. Obviously, they want to make money, but they're not going to, they don't want to lose the trust of, of their consumers by just pushing, you know, bad movies that they didn't make necessarily and saying it's the greatest thing ever. So, um, no, yeah, I think I think that it's interesting. There is a, there is a small part of me uh, that, that wonders, is is there any chances of work? Um you know, we saw it with mm, wow. I know that's, that's really deep. That I mean, that's I mean, I didn't even think about that. That's a take that I have not seen out there. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm spitballing off the top of my head. But I, I, I do think, I do, I do think about the fact that you know, I mean, we've seen The Rock involved in this sort of spat before with Vin Diesel, where you know, with <laughs> him and Zachary but Levi right now. That very public. that doesn't seem like that did not seem like a work though, as we now learn with Vin Diesel. Like it seemed no no maybe let me rephrase that it seemed like a work, right? It doesn't feel like a work anymore. 
Right. And there was definitely some there was definitely some animosity there. Um but it played into the it, pl- it, it played into the into the story. No question. And I, and I and and I I I don't I believe I do believe a lot of these a lot of these reports. I'm not saying it's work like it's, it's a complete you know, it's a completely fake thing, but I just wonder if it if the, if it will at one at one point boil up to the point where they could ultimately bill it as Shazam versus the Rock at some point. Uh, Shazam versus Black Adam. I don't think so, just because obviously the Rock and right James Gunn and all that, you know, so many politics involved. But that that's uh, that's one thing that I did think about. But but I will say, man, in terms of how should we feel about the Rock and his treatment of Shazam? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I agree with you guys. Like, I, you know, I think. Um, you know, I think it was you, EJ, that, 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 you know, talked about it's, it's, it's crazy that, you know, you'd sign up to play a character in Black Adam and, and just try and pretend like his, his primary source material doesn't exist, you know? Um, and I get it because, you know, you signed up for a character that you wanted to make him bigger than he, than he is, you know, you wanted to make him bigger than he was in the, in, in most source material doesn't mean he can't be a, a Justice League level villain, but, you wanted to make him the face of the DCEU, and that's just—he's never been the face of the DC Comics, you know. Um, and so that—that's—that's that's where there was a disconnect. And you can—he definitely can't be the face of the DCEU connecting him with Shazam. Um, this is a this is not a great comparison, but it's it's a lot like if you know they cast. It, it, I mean, it'd be like if, if Marvel casted The Rock to play Doctor Doom, and he's like, "I want nothing to do with the Fantastic Four." Right, exactly. If I'm Doctor Doom. I want, I want to put me against Iron Man. Iron Man, that, right? That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right, I, exactly. I, I, I don't want nothing to do with Reed Richards. <laughs> don't even talk about me, and connect me with them at all. And that, right. that you know, like there'd be a part. There'd be people that are like, "This is ridiculous." Like Doctor Doom's not an Iron Man villain, <laughs> you know? Like he, he's sure he's had. And then at the same fat. time, say I'm doing this for the fans. This is all for the fans of the, of the right. War. Or right. and, and, or even a, or even a better comparison. Almost it, in in some ways we kind of have it, but it's it's not it's not it's not by choice. But it's almost like saying I will play Venom, but don't put me near Spider Man because they're like, right. they're like they have the same powers, dog. Like they yeah. have, they're the same exactly. person. <laughs> like they're the same right. person essentially, and. He's like, I know they're the same people. I know you see the same costume, same powers, and everything. But I'm not connected to that. I'm, guy. Yeah, I'm bigger than Spider Man. Yeah, like, like it's like, like I said, that's why. Like you know, again, I'm not gonna sit here and blame The Rock for Shazam flopping. I'm not doing that. I'm not going. To no, do that. no, I, I totally that. agree. And none of us are doing that. I, right, it's I mean, more that nothing to do with it. Yeah. It's more of the principle that The Rock thinks that he could have spin off, spun off Black Adam. To be the face of the DCU EU, and it's hard. Like, like I don't want to like beef with the Rock. I don't want to make an issue of the Rock. I th- like that the Rock showed initiative to actually do something connecting characters finally, which we didn't see from the Walter Hamada era. And I said this on this show, but the lengths that he took to do that all seem to only benefit him. Like, there was no aspect of, we're going to make DC great because we're improving the entire DC universe. It seemed to be just, 
I want this slice of the pie that involves Superman. And that's it. And 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 it feels like he was. It feels like he was being very opportunistic, and that's. And he's and the only reason, part of the only reason, he's only willing to work with Superman is because they had the same agent, you know. Right, right, and, and, and that, that feel, and that's where it becomes like very like, like you know, NBA clicky, you know, where it's yeah, like super super team, super team, super team, super team form, where it's like oh, like the Rocking Cavill is the new super team of DC. It's like that's what it feels like he was trying to create, and it's like that that part of it is. That part of it and the disrespect for the for the Shazam slash Captain Marvel Thor Allure, sorry, um, is what like is what POs me right now. Cause I it, feel like there there was a lot of potential there with so, the rock as Black Adam, with Shazam in the fold. And it feels like his opportuni- opportunistic nature and him having to kind of always be bigger than the world cost us some really great stuff because i think we still could have got shazam we could have still got black adam fighting superman we still could have got shazam fighting black adam we could have got all that but like yeah like he could not allow himself to be next to shazam which doesn't make any sense because if you say you love the black adam character how can you be that disrespectful to shazam so i the only thing i'll say is just to shoot the rock some hypothetical bail is if early on in the process your mindset was, you know, we're not, you know, you you watch this damn movie, you know, like that's not what we're doing, you know, like it's it's a For different sure. type of movie, it's not what we're doing, and you know, respect Zachary Levi, but you know, because I mean, you know, I saw a clip online, I saw a tweet from last year, Levi and The Rock, uh, talking at Comic Con. You know, like they were just, they were just, you know, in, in the back or whatever. People were videotaping them, but um, it, like when you get up, when you fast forward to this point, and like if you find it out or you get you get asked, like, oh, like yeah, we want to we want to put, you know, the JSA in Shazam, and you're like, you're, you're, you're I mean. You're, if you're not a producer on this movie, you're not you're like that may have nothing to do with what you were trying to make. You know what I mean? They may have a plan for the JSA that did not include Shazam. I would argue, like Shazam being connected to the JSA doesn't doesn't nix anything. Like you you could do that, and you I mean we see Marvel have post credit scenes that they just they wipe out. You know, like it doesn't have to connect to anything. But you could argue like. You know, the the like the rocks like I didn't make this movie and I don't I don't want to be connected to Shazam. You know, like that's just not what we're making. So I don't want you to use my characters. <laughs> you know, but that's a problem I have though. Without me making the movie, the JSA aren't his characters though. Like that's like yeah, that's, I was gonna say the that's thing. the problem. I know, I know like, he he probably had some kind of production you know contract. With I would I DC I, I would say. But like the J, like the JSA so. are DC at large characters. Hawkman is not a Black Adam character. Like, like right. that, that's ridiculous to even say. That. Right, exactly. Like it's he crazy. decided to connect the JSA to Black Adam, which yes, right, there right. are connections there. But like to say that, oh, like this is a Black Adam. It wasn't like they were doing Shazam and what's the name was like, yo, I'm putting Joker in my movie. And then like Matt Reeves like, bro, you can't do that. Like I have a whole plan with like. Like, I want to put, you know, Barry Keegan in my movie. He's like, yo, you can't do that, fam. Like, I'm, I literally have a whole thing that has nothing to do with your character. Like, you can't. 
Like that would that wouldn't make sense. All right, yeah, you don't need to put Joker in a Shazam movie. That doesn't make sense. Like, like the Joker, it belonged to the Batman lore. Like they have a reason to say, hey, don't do that. That doesn't make sense. For you to say, well, like you can't now use the JSA. Why can't why can't anybody use the well, JSA? Well, I, well, it's not necessarily that you can't use the JSA, but I'm interpreting that it's all this hodge that they wanted. Like they wanted to connect. Oh no, yeah, they did. That the, was the that was the report. Right, and so. It's like what you said, where it's like, yeah, if they brought in, if they brought in Paul Dano, you know, they brought in the Riddler, you know, Matt Matt Reeves would be like, you know, he, like it, it might not contradict everything that he's doing, but it just it would just be like, this isn't what I want for my character, you know, like sure you could use the Riddler, but you know, I I was the one that I was the one that created this character, and now you're now you're changing you're changing his lore, you know, so that that's what. That's the only thing that I could see is them saying is the Rock just saying like, I'm not making this movie, you know. The plan has never been from from my perspective to connect to Shazam. Obviously, that's what this all stems from. But if that's your if that's your mentality, then you can't then just go and and use my. And I, I know it sounds ridiculous to say use my characters, but but I mean we know the way the Rock moves. I mean every movie that he makes is his. Seven uh, bucks yeah. production, you know, is is yeah. is they they got their hands in everything, man. That's they the problem, man. All like, this you, can't, you can't want to be part of a larger universe, a larger studio, but then think that like it's some crazy. things are yours. But then you're also willing and, to connect to certain things. Like it, it makes me to, I, like Superman. Okay, yes, I'm willing to connect to Superman. Um, but like other things, you're not willing to connect to. That's not how this works, dog. But again, Superman's in his. It, it, you know they're in his his clip you know and that's I know right exactly that's what it, it, that's it, and that's that makes me wonder yeah, if that's right. why we'll never see the rock in in Marvel you know or at least we haven't seen him to up to this point because maybe he doesn't want to well, here's give what up I will say I, maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm wrong I think that I don't think you'll ever see the rock in any superhero movie ever again I think that there's been so much damage done to his reputation that I don't think that given what superhero movies have to be. And when I say superhero movies, I'm mostly talking, obviously, about Marvel, DC. Like, I think, whether true or untrue, it just feels like there's no way this is someone... There, the, he's being billed like someone that you can't work with if you're going to do a superhero universe that is so, you know, homogeneous and, and so very, like, inclusive. Like, you can't you can't do that with this guy. That's the... That's the if that's not the truth, that's at least the image that's being put out about him. And there's very little that he apparently can really dispute, it sounds like. he. I think he can explain. Like I think that maybe eventually we'll get an explanation. Knowing him, we usually will or do. He'll say why this couldn't happen or why he didn't want something to happen. Or he'll say something like, hey, I just gave my two cents about why I didn't think that was a good idea. And then they agreed with me. But... I just think that if I was, I don't see anything in this Kevin Feige make me think, oh, I need to hire him tomorrow. Like, you know, like, I, like. Yep. He. he I, I could see him playing a villain or something. Maybe I not a hero again. But I could, I could see them because that's clearly a, a lesser, clearly not like any kind of particularly iconic role. And The Rock is willing to play those roles. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. and like, and he could be good as a villain. Right, like kind of a I mean, you know, he, he shows he, up, he does whatever his thing is, and it's a, especially if it's like a major movie, 
I can see him doing that. Sham, I hate to break it to you, but he he literally was just playing a villain. <laughs> no, but I, no, but like not an anti-hero villain. Like yeah, he didn't want to be the villain. Like Clearly an evil bad guy. I show up, I destroy this entire town, and the last thing I'll say, ex-hero or heroes need to stop me. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is, look, Marvel. You know, it, it's. I feel like The Rock is like that guy. The Rock is Russell Westbrook, and I feel like Marvel might be the Lakers. Like Marvel, the Marvel Marvel might be at that point where they can't say no. To anybody well. with a name or anybody with, with value, you know, they may say, hey, look, I mean, it's The Rock and, you know, it's not like we're hitting on all cylinders right now to be able to tell him no. And maybe we can get something out of him. Ah, yes, yeah, so because we, Russell- we know that Lakers-Russell Westbrook thing worked out <laughs> so great for both parties on that end. Um, but uh, Shazam, Fear of the God is in theaters. We will eventually see it and give you all a review of it. Um, I want you to watch it at some point. I, I've literally just been, I've been buried in work. So I could not go. To it's a bad time to release a movie during March Madness. And that also is tough. Yeah, games are happening during the day. Every so weekend, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, last week yeah, there was true. no chance I was seeing Shazam, even though I actually did have some time off. And now I'm buried in work, so there's no way. But we'll, we'll get to it at some point. We promise you guys we will talk about Shazam for you the guys. Let's wrap the show quickly talking about X-Men 97. So we're actually getting some important uh, storyline plot details Regarding this uh, Disney Plus project, it's going to be uh, the follow-up to X-Men the Animated Series. The head writer is Bo DeMaio, and there was a, um, a, 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 a event that happened that he, he was a part of, X-Men 60, uh, 60 Uncanny Years live virtual event, and he shared some details about this project. So he said, quote, we're going to be picking up about several months after Professor X left Earth after being shot by Henry Gyrick and had to return to the Shi'ar homeworld to be with Lalandra. And with what ends up happening is that assassination attempt has led to this wave of increased sympathy towards mutants and understanding. Despite the friends of humanity still having their mullets and getting all up in it, things are really starting to look up for mutants, and this is going to kind of come to a head and leaves our expert to say, what does our future hold for us? We weren't expecting this. Um, he also explains that... Um, uh, there is a shift in the team, uh, no longer being as hated and feared as they once were. Uh, he says, you're going to have Cyclops and Storm really want to carry on the dream. And they've recruited Morph and Bishop to actually become full-time members of the team. So uh, he also confirmed that uh, Mr. Sinister, which we kind of heard at, uh, I think it was with Comic-Con earlier this year, that uh, last year, that, that, that Mr. Sinister will be the, the main villain of this season. Um Shamari, those details you hear there, how are you feeling about X-Men 97? Um, man, I'm excited for X-Men 97, man. It's, it, it, uh, man, it, it, it just, it looks like they're really, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like they're, they're trying to kind of move forward with the story and it's, and it's, it's like you said, it's, I mean, I feel like we talk about it. We talk about this X Men almost every week at this point. It's it's the X Men. We're getting Miss. We, we're going to get Mister Sinister, who I think was a was a kind of an underrated part of the X, of the old X Men show. Honestly, every every single time he was on screen, he was I was very invested in what was going on. Um, and I'm I'm all in honestly. And and you know I feel like we were just talking about this, but Marvel hasn't given me any reason to to lately. To be per- particularly invested in what the MCU is doing outside of Jonathan Majors, 
and looking forward to the Fantastic Four and, and X Men and the X Men showing up eventually in live action. So I'm all, I'm all in in X Men '97. It's it's sounding good. I'm I'm all in. I'm invested in the story they're making, and I, I look forward to seeing what they do. I mean, Kendall, one of the things that he he mentions, and we see a lot in this conversation about what the show is going to be, is the future and and looking beyond, uh, you know, what, you know, have we saw in the X-Men, the original series, which was the mutants constantly being hated, um, them being persecuted people, then having to go out there and try to save mutants. Like, it, it seems like we're going to be kind of seeing, like, the beginning of something new, which is why when we heard this may have four seasons, that actually makes sense when I hear this, because this almost doesn't even seem like this season, if this is what the season is about, almost doesn't, this does not sound like a completed idea at all. Like, he says that, you know, Jean Grey, Rogue, and Gambit are actually going to start wondering if they even need to be a part of the X-Men moving forward. Like, what is the actual future of the X-Men if, like, mutants aren't hated the way they once were? So, that to me is exciting because I think that this show may end up morphing, no pun intended, into something that is looks very different than the X-Men show from 1993. Do you see the same way? Yeah, I mean, this this obviously has a lot of uh, potential. Um, I mean, look, I think that the X-Men, this is debatable. You could, you could definitely put Batman in the conversation as well. But I think the X-Men uh, are the best... Are the are the best for animated series. Um, uh, that's just my my opinion. It's controversial, but and so the idea that we're getting a new X Men series is uh, in today's day and age with a lot of different, you know, you know, like you guys have mentioned, new stories that they can that they can attack and um, new concepts that they can they they can include. Uh, it is interesting and that obviously having the the having the backdrop and the the ability to lean on the X Men the animated series you know template uh is is a great uh, is a great launching pad it's a great place to start um but I think that there's things that they can delve deeper into there's there's stuff that wasn't explored on that show um. Mr. Sinister is a is a perfect first villain because, you know, like Shamari mentioned, when you think about villains on that show, he's probably the most memorable. Uh, he's probably, you know, the one that left, you know, the biggest consistent impact. You know, Magneto obviously is Magneto, but um, but Mr. Sinister's arcs uh, were always very, um, were always very interesting, always very uh, yeah, intense, and so. Uh, perfect guy to perfect guy to bring back, and and I think he's also perfect in the sense that, as we've talked about, he he's somebody that you might want to introduce to the masses, the larger masses that haven't seen him in X Men movies uh, because he hasn't been in one yet. As a character, they may want to use in your movies going forward. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that this is this is exciting, um, you know, to hear that. You know, it's going to be Scott and, and Storm sort of leading the charge early on uh, is interesting as well. We haven't seen a lot of Cyclops um, in that role in a long time. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm very excited to see how this show plays out. Uh, 
And it's gonna I mean it's gonna have a lot of pressure because again, we've talked about Marvel's uh inconsistency and I don't think they're gonna have as many projects come out this year. So this one's gonna be one that's gonna be one of the more anticipated things that comes out from Marvel this year. And you have uh Magneto joining the team as well. Um and him deciding to put his villainy aside and do some good uh as part of this story. As well, um, with uh, the DeMaio talking about Mr. Sinister, he says, A very, very, very favorite character of, many, of mine and many others, Mr. Sinister will rear his ugly head from the past with a pretty foolproof plan to destroy the X-Men once and for all. So he's, Mr. Sinister is an interesting villain to kind of put into the forefront at a time where mutants are kind of in a good place because you kind of wonder if this is kind of his ability to not take advantage of the situation, you know? Um, and, and perhaps maybe that, maybe this good place that mutants are in will kind of be kind of short lived because of, uh, uh, Mr. Sinister and the cabal of clowns. He'll, he'll probably uh, recruit to, to put together whatever plot he, he wants to put together. Um, when you talk about, I think he'll make a good point about crossing over. Like I still, I'm st- I'm still going to wonder why that Marvel studios tag is on this show. And what that means for the live action, and why we're seeing this theme play in live action shows, like, and movies now. I just think there's something more to this that we still don't know, and maybe I'll be dead wrong, and there'll be nothing having to do with anything that's gonna happen in live action and movies, and this is just a show, and that would just be fine. But it just feels bigger, you know, and the fact that Marvel won't say anything about it also is very puzzling to me. It makes me think about, is there some kind of connection to how we get mutants in the live action through this? The, the showrunner, I, I'm seeing a quote here, uh, you know, from the showrunner, because people, you know, someone asked him um, if if uh, the, the Professor X we saw in Multiverse of Madness is the same one from the animated series. He said, uh, I'm going to go with no comment here because part of the surprise will be finding that out when you experience the show. <laughs> so, so, I mean, is there a connection? They're not saying no. They're not saying no. And like, we've talked about long about how Marvel does like to troll sometimes. This just feels like a weird thing to troll about. You know, like this feels like a weird thing to say. We're going to continue to keep this troll going on about hearing the X Men music. And nope, it has nothing to do with anything we're going to do with the music or live action. And even hearing. Even hearing that this joint's got four seasons, like, allegedly. We know at least two, but definitely maybe even four. I even think about that number. I'm saying, all right, four, if you do four, and it's maybe once a year, get you to 2027. You know, Rewards comes out in 2026. That's when we get a green light for a movie coming out in 2030. I'm just... I'm just saying. Look, we say every week the calendar would line up for whatever the fallout is of this four-year project to then line up with whatever happens at the end of Secret Wars that brings us to what we think would be the future of the mutants beyond that movie. Man, will it it have been? How long will it have been? Would it have been ten years or close to ten years after they announced that mutants would show up? That we that we'll probably be getting units. It'll be a while. Well, Fox, um, the Fox yeah. is 2019. 2019. So if you're talking about 2027, you're talking about eight years. 
eight years. Um, yeah, that's that's eight years. I don't know if they got eight years from when they announced that. I was gonna be honest. I'm gonna keep it real. I feel like I say that every week though. But I um, I, I I mean I, I I can't say that because Secret Wars is such a massive project, and I just saw what Spider Man No Way Home did. That if you you're gonna do that on a large Marvel scale, like that's gonna be too crazy, bang. It, it's but it's but at the I feel like at the rate uh, that Marvel is losing goodwill, it's like, I mean, are they gonna are are we gonna? I hate to say are we gonna care, but that's the first question that comes to mind is how many people not well we'll care, but how many people will care? I think is gonna be the question, you know, because. Like, what is the what is the Avengers team like? There still is. I'll, I'll just put it. I'll just be blunt again. We say this every week. There's still no Cap or Iron Man in this like MCU right now. They don't have. Well, no, there, there is Captain America. There's no Steve Rogers. Well, yeah, there's no Steve Rogers, and and I think more of what I'm saying is in terms of like audience appeal. Oh, I got you. Right. The only person is Tom Holland. He's the only one. Yeah, Tom Holland, Spider Man, but and he's whole... and he's like like a Sony like right yeah. kind of product still. Gotcha. So like they don't have that here. They don't have it, and if they don't got it by the time that movie comes out, it's not gonna be the same. It's not gonna be the same. So I I mean if if I think if this X Men, the X Men that they do are great, I think they will earn that goodwill back. But it's got to be great. So I saw I saw a report, not to not to change the subject, but I, I saw a report uh, that Tom Holland. That there's a rumor. Other people wouldn't call it a report. I say I saw a rumor, maybe speculation. You know, I read a bunch of stuff, but I saw a, a, a rumor that that going forward, or at least you know, potentially in the next Spider-Man movie, that Tom Holland, they may approach Spider-Man a lot like the Mandalorian, where we don't see his face as much. He's wearing the mask a lot, so he doesn't have to do as much to avoid burnout, and that we'll just get a lot more Spider-Man than Peter Parker. That that was interesting. And I'm perfectly fine with it. That, that, they said that's that's the case moving forward. They said that that's an option. That that you know, I mean, I, I, who knows how long you know, but that that's something that we may be seeing in the future more of. I don't know. I don't mean. I don't. I mean, look. If that's how they're gonna keep him around, I guess that's fine. I mean, I don't love the idea that I see less Peter Parker. <laughs> like I, I don't know. I mean, if it means like, you get more Spider Man, then that I don't know needs more action potentially you know i feel like i feel like all three spider-man movies had a lot of action yeah i mean they had action the last one uh, crazy action i think it's refreshing in the sense that sometimes we see these movies where uh, oh we gotta see tony stark's face because it's robert downey jr or oh we gotta see you know Sp- peter parker fight without his mask it's right there's a, con- there's a concept that this here's someone that actually doesn't mind not having their face out yeah. Right. You know, in the comic books, you know, most of the time we see Spider Man, at least when he's actually Spider Man, is you, you just see Spider Man. I will know? say that is a trope I don't like about superhero movies in general. How many times these people are fighting without their mask? Right. Even though they have secret identities in a lot. Right. They have secret Even identities. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's a thing that's purely a movie thing. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It, it is more comics accurate to have them wear their masks more often. Yeah. Even and, the mask and, is damaged or whatever. Like, which I think would yeah, exactly. in this case. But, like, that happened in the comic. But, like, I don't know how many times you see guys fighting, they just take their mask off. I'm just like, okay. Right. Exactly. Not I think that would ever happen most of the time, but sure. 
So I don't know. And the the Mandalorian has proven that 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 can be done and still be enjoyable. There's no, I, I haven't heard a lot of complaints about. Oh I guess, man, I want to see more yeah. Pedro Pascal. I guess the yeah. only thing I will say is I just think that part of the thing that helped with Peter though is that like I think when you decide like I think you could I think you can take away some of like the human element to Peter Parker that makes him very relatable is that he is just kind of your everyman. If you're deciding those scenes with him, you know, yep, just doing other things, whether it's with the Daily Bugle or just in his neighborhood or whatever, like going on dates, right. whatever his deal, like not seeing that, I do, I do think kind of you lose a bit of it. Like I love Spider Man, but just seeing him just fight for two and a half hours, like maybe for one movie would be cool. I don't know if I want to see that for the next three or four movies. Like I think that like him maybe more so. Than other characters, I think you do need that human element of him, like outside the costume. Yeah. You don't want him to become Deadpool, you know? Exactly. Yeah, like even <laughs> even exactly, animated, exactly what I'm talking about. Even animated, they have him like outside of because, like you said, it's the human element. I mean, I've been yeah. rewatching the spectacular Spider-Man show, and like, you know, that show has some of the best animation for fighting ever. But like, some of my favorite aspects of that show is just like Peter. Just like the Peter Parker that they developed and the people around him and the stuff he does outside of the costume is sometimes more compelling than whatever's happening here, now, as Spider-Man. Here's what I would love. If you told me that he was a major, major, if not maybe even the lead of Kang Dynasty, but we didn't see as much of Peter Parker. I think that would be great. I mean, that probably, I honestly, I think that's probably what they're talking about when you talk about this particular thing. I don't know. Spider-Man Four. I think that those kind, okay, those kind of films, like okay, like maybe they're traveling multiverses. Like yeah, he can be just Spider-Man. But I think that there will be other, like Spider-Man movies. I don't think you can do that. I think crossover. I agree with that. Yeah. Like when I'm reading New Avengers and Spider-Man's in the Avengers, like yeah, a lot of he literally can't take off his mask because he has a secret identity. So like a lot of it is just him, you know, mask up, you know, up to his nose and no eating or whatever. But that's it. You know, he's wearing his costume all all the time. I think it wasn't until much later that he decided, that, okay, I'll let you guys know who I am. So, like, that part, totally fine. It's the doing the Spider-Man movies where I say that could be a little a little concerning. I totally agree. I think that's a good place to wrap it, guys. So, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of Orange and Blue Blood. Oh, excuse me, Orange and Blue Blood. That's where I am in this. <laughs> I'm doing so many podcasts, <laughs> so many radio shows. <laughs> I'm so crazy. Even Not Orange like and Blue Blood. Yeah, I know, right? I got so many jobs. <laughs> I wish I was making money like Stephen A., trust me. Um, oh, this is a, an episode of uh, not Orange Blue Blood, my New York podcast with Tommy Beer, but uh, New Generation Hero Talk with my guys, uh, Kendall and Sham. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Of course, you can catch all these shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us uh, on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, where you can search New Generation Media. And follow us individually on social media. You can find Kendall on Twitter, New Gen Ken, Shamari on Instagram and Snapchat, MCShan22. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram and TikTok, Action EJ. That'll do it for now. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. For Shamari, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace. <laughs>